Hi guys, this is Paula, and I wanted to share a special message for you called Peace for Christmas. And I'm actually going to share it on my call uh, Christmas at uh, in a few days. <laughs> so I, I wanted to share the whole message with you. The first thing I wanted to share is be ready. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 14 through 15, speaking about spiritual warfare and praying, be ready with the gospel, with your feet shot with the gospel. And the gospel is the gospel of peace. You know, as Christians, we need to remember, and believers, that our words can really hurt and sting people, you know? The Bible says out of the heart, the mouth, out of the, the heart, the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in your heart will come out your mouth. And also in Hebrews twelve fifteen, it says, don't allow a bitter root to grow up inside of you, which can defile you. So be aware of your attitude, you know, your comments and your thoughts. We're going into a new year, 2019. You know, the church is a body of believers that can be offended. I think the end time, the end times we're living in right now is don't take offense. And it's very easy to take offense, okay? You can stumble, you can, in your faith, and you can hurt someone else. Um, but we're supposed to keep the unity in the body of peace, it says, the body of Christ, and not strive. We're supposed to be peacemakers, what is, what is the good news? It's a simple message. It's a good message. It's God, through Jesus Christ, has reconciled us to himself. You know, sin is like war. It's like hell. War is hell. Have you heard that expression? It's coming from hell. That's where sin comes from. Peace is the prince of peace, Jesus Christ. In Luke 2.14 those glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to all men. Heaven, the heavenly anthem heralded the first Christmas. Heaven sang this. Peace of mind comes because of the death of Christ on the cross. God was offering peace through Jesus Christ who took our blame for our sins. And we come to him in faith because he took our wrong. He took our wrong away. He made us right with God. Faith is that link in Romans 5.1. Heals our broken relationships with the Father. The word peace, shalom, it's an Old Testament word that means completion and fulfillment, a state of wholeness and unity, a restoration, shalom. It means peace, yes, but it means more than that. It implies prosperity, healing. When you say shalom, you're saying healing, completeness, and safety. Shalom is everything that is right, righteous with God. The old, in the Old Testament, it could be said that shalom had messianic overtones. Jews, though, would never realize true peace or security or wholeness. Our national restoration could not come but only through the coming of Messiah to establish God's kingdom in, earth, in the earth. The prophecy in Isaiah 9, 6, 7, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And it says, And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called the Prince of Peace. Shalom. The Prince of Shalom. 
Shalom is everything that is right. You're all right with God. All is well with God. Everything is right. Is it right in your relationships? Relationships is where the real battle is. With Satan, who will do everything to divide and conquer and keep you out of right standing, everything that's right with God and with others in relationships. A mighty God did a mighty act to make peace with men. He empowered us with the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul the Apostle, he was astounded when you read the book of Galatians. Go back and read the book of Galatians. What, what, what was he astounded with? The Jews. Why? Because he said to them, how, ha- how did you receive the Holy Spirit? He said, who has bewitched you to think that by obeying the law, you could receive the Spirit of God? No. No, no, no. The Judaizers had gotten in. There was a lot of trouble in that church (laughs) because they were thinking, they had gone back to the old order of things. No, a mighty God did a mighty act to make peace with us. 1 John 4.20, love. How can we say, how can we say that we love God whom we have not seen and not love our brother whom we ha- who we see. We can see our brother. Jesus said when we come to a place to pray, this is how he taught us. Remember this. When we come to pray and we come before God and recall that something is not right in a relationship with someone, we are to leave our religious um, devotion <laughs> and make things right. 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 Everything that's right is with God. But we're to make things right with that brother or sister, whomever it is. Matthew 5, 23, 24. God does not want our religion. He's not interested in religion, your acts of religion. If his peace does not radically change you, how can we, how, how, how can love, how could love have, will God's love be in you? And then how can we relate to people? How do we relate this to people in our lives? Are we peacemakers? Are we experiencing his peace? He said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world give I to you. No, not that kind of peace. So God restores the very image we have of ourselves and of others. Here's what he said, let us make man man in our image and in our likeness. Let them rule. Let them rule. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created them, male and female. It is him, his image. It's his image we are to see and reflect. It's him. His very precious, very sacred, very, very holy image. His own being, his spirit. He breathed the breath of life into us when we were born again and filled with the Spirit. His imprinting is on our souls, on our heart. So we go into relationships. What kind of relationship? Do you have a healthy one? Are you a peacemaker? We are to be mutually dependent. We are dependent upon Him, but we're not codependent. Codependency, that word codependency means enmeshment. 
to be enmeshment means you lose your personality, you lose your identity. You're kind of like a slave. We are a community of love, individually and corporately. So individually we have different gifts, but we're to honor and respect one another more than ourselves. And corporately when we come together, we do everything we can to stay in that bond of peace. The mystery of this is really seen in marriage. When he created the male and female, they were really one. Adam, our first parents, Adam, they were one and his wife. God ordained marriage to kind of mirror him. Codependency in, say, a marriage is enmeshment where you lose your identity. You have no personal freedom. Have you ever seen a codependency in a relationship? It may not even be in marriage where there's no freedom. You're kind of like a clone of the other person. You're sort of like a mimicking. You're just a robot, you know? But there is an, a good interdependency, which is good in, in relationships in the church. That's good, an interdependency. But a true relationship in Christ is a healthy one. But none of us are in the full, walking in the full image of God. We go from glory to glory, you know. He will perfect that which concerns us until the day of Christ. We are separated, though, unto God. Isn't that interesting? We are to be separated unto God for the purpose of being His. So we're not to confuse that with, you know, other relationships. We are corporately connected as a body where we respect one another, but we don't oscillate ourselves to the point where, was the eye say to the hand, I have no need of you? You know, I'm an eye, you're just a foot or... You know, you're an internal organ, and <laughs> whatever that means. Nobody can see you, you know. But you're still many parts that you need, every single part of that body to function, right? So we don't oscillate ourselves. and We don't say, I have no need of you. No, no, that's not God's love. God is love. He's not like love. He is love. Figure that one out. The agapeo, agape. Oh, agape. <laughs> God's love, the God kind of love. Love makes peace, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his Son of the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. I remember sitting in a house of someone who has a, a business, and she had this amazing business, and I was sitting next to her. She got really, really close to me for many years, and I got so close, just right there, before she gave her heart to Christ. I said, I looked at her, I said, Sandy, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Boy, she moved quickly out of there. Because she had thought, she had her reasonings or whatever her past experiences with the church were. They were negative, probably. Whatever she thought, she was deceived. But here's the truth. I got very close to leading this person to Christ who was pretty, pretty prideful, actually, you know, with her talent. But God is love, and he makes peace. So I was trying to tell her that God was reconciling the world to himself through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. But on the opposite end of the spectrum is Satan, who hates. Satan lies. Satan strives. Satan divides you. Satan is offended. He's, Satan is jealous. Satan rebels against God. Satan finds fault. He's critical. Satan accuses. He's the accuser, condemner. Satan disrupts everything that is good. 
Satan stops friendships. Satan divides families. Divorce separates a parent from child. Satan abuses children. The church is supposed to be a community that's interdependent in love. Here's how Paul put this one new man. The great apostle Paul said, there's not to be prejudice. There's no Greek. The way he put it, there was no Greek nor Jew. But we're all one, one in Christ. He, Jesus himself, is our peace. He destroyed the barrier wall. He broke dividing, the dividing wall. The handwriting, you know, the document that was written against us, he blotted it out through his blood. The hostility between peoples and nations and cultures? No. There's one. He said that was God's plan. The, 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 the new agreement between God and his son, the new covenant, Okay, that's where you're supposed to be living. You should be in. You should be in the books of, you know, Galatians, Ephesians, you know, Colossians, Philippians. You should be in in whom in him. All those books, all those letters, today. You should be in those and know those by heart. Memorize them. Tell you how shall you live. Should be in the new covenant that God has made through the blood of the cross. Okay, the blood and the power in the blood. The great conflict has ended between um, what Satan tried to do because God had already had it in his heart in Ephesians chapter 1 to adopt us into his one and only family. God had already had it in his heart to adopt us, that we'd be his child. Okay, that was already in his heart. He knew what was going to happen. He made a plan. He already planned this to happen, to bring us back to him, to reconcile us to himself. Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ is come. We celebrate Christmas, right? Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. We'll be ready to share his word then, the, the gospel, the good news. Because Jesus said this, he said problems are going to come in life. He told us he, this, but he was not being negative. Division and strife would occur, there would be fights. But we're to act this love walk as peacemakers, 2 Corinthians 5.19. But Jesus commissioned us to bring reconciliation, to be peacemakers to this world. How do you make peace? How do you make peace? By forgiving, forgiving offenses that will come. You know, you can think of this, look at it this way. Unforgiveness equals no peace equals sin, which equals separation from God. Unforgiveness equals no peace you can have no peace, no peace of heart or mind. That equals the sin that you've committed equals the separating us from God. God's forgiveness is not based on human feelings. When you offer forgiveness, it's not based on how you feel or how I feel. It's like you have to humble yourself and go low and get rid of your pride. You might have to suffer a wrong. No, we don't want to do that. We have, we have to be accountable and responsible. Forgiveness is a divine thing. It's God's thing. It's in him. It's a God thing, but he imparts that to us. And then he commands us to love one another. That's not like an option. Let's see. I don't want to do that today. Well, guess what? He doesn't change the rule for you. <laughs> when God speaks something into existence... 
That's how it's going to be. He gets to make the he gets to make the rules. You don't get to pick and choose. Well, today I don't feel like it. Well, I don't feel like doing a lot of things, but I obey it. <laughs> I don't feel like it. You walk in love and you act out your faith by faith, not by feelings. <laughs> your feelings need to line up with the word of God. You need to tell your feelings, listen. Oh, your feelings can be all out of order and, and erratic, and you don't you don't use your feelings to be a guide for you, do you? I hope not. I call it mad, sad, and glad. Why? Because emotions are are a fickle. You know, like are you fickle? Sometimes you feel, you know, yeah, because you're human, right? Thank God, God isn't fickle. He never changes his mind about you. <laughs> Aren't you glad we're not God? We can't be. <laughs> so so when we, we don't act out of divine love, when we don't act out of that forgiveness that he's given us, that's what should motivate you and move you. Not only seeing the image of God in others, you know, his stamp on them of approval. Yeah, he takes it really personal when you offend his little daughter or son. You know that? He takes that personal. He said to Saul on the road, uh, when he knocked him up his high horse there, he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Notice that. Jesus said that to him. Why do you persecute me? It's like, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. You know, he was persecuting Christians, little Christ running around. He takes it personal. So if you choose not to forgive, you know, I remember, I think it was Pat Robertson. It was either normal ladies. I can't remember who it was, but one of them, they were out ministering and they were laying hands on people. And this woman came forward for prayer and she had been ill. And he said, um, you know, the Lord told me that you're holding unforgiveness in your heart. That's why you're not, you're not healed. And she said, she thought, and then she goes, no, I, he goes, have you, for, have you not forgiven someone? And, you know, very sweetly asked her, you know. And she goes, no. And he goes, well, I'm sorry, lady, but that's what God told me. <laughs> no. And then, you know, it's not funny because, you know, you have to think about this. Like, what's going on here? Either somebody's wrong or somebody's not telling the truth. And then she, she, he goes, well, I'm sorry, but the Lord said you're not going to receive your healing. You're not going to get your healing if you don't forgive. Like, he can't. You know, there's something blocking. Keep me back, the psalmist said from hidden faults, right? How about unconscious faults? Things that we don't even think are sin, right? <laughs> They're sin. So so he says, she goes, oh, you mean that ex-husband of mine? <laughs> like he doesn't even matter. <laughs> like, oh yeah, suddenly she dawned on her, you know. He doesn't, like he doesn't exist. <laughs> like, uh-oh, bingo. <laughs> Pride will keep you from God's best. If you choose not to forgive, you will have emotional torment. You will have spiritual oppression and depression. And you will have the demonic operating because legally in the courts of heaven, when you don't release and let things drop and forgive and obey the word of God, again, if you don't follow after the Lord and his word, his scripture, the Holy Scripture, and you choose, you, you have a right to choose, you know, God gives you that right to choose. But if you don't choose to forgive, then Satan has a legal right to attack you. Yeah, yeah. So what you gonna do? 
You're going to quickly, it says, keep short accounts, quickly repent, hit the floor and start crying out to God, repent, start buying. You can't, you don't have authority over him or rule over him if you're in sin, you know, you've got to repent and go back to God and say, okay, I forgive, I release that person. If you refuse to forgive your offender or let it drop, you're not going to be bringing peace anywhere. You're not a peacemaker. Bring peace. But now here's a good point. I want to say this in, in all fairness. But is it peace at any price? Is that, is that what we do? Do we bring peace? Well, counselors will say that codependency, say, say in a marriage where a woman marries an alcoholic man and he gets very angry, he has an anger issue, she is always making peace. You know, it's like walking on eggshells, careful not to upset him or he'll go off on her. So she tolerates his, his, his intolerance and his bad, I call it bad behavior and his bad attitude, but she does it under the guise of what do you think? Christian submission. It's interesting how over the centuries, how the devilish uh, church, I call them, inspired you know, and interpreted that scripture, which said, you know, wives, be submissive of your husband, husband, love your wives. They forget the husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. They kind of, you know, it's better to say wives, submit to your husband, but you know, you kind of tweak it. So it's just that one highlight. Well, it also says, if you read the whole, whole book, which I have the whole um, letter, he said, submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. Don't think more highly of yourselves than you ought to. And he also says, you know, humble yourself. You know, first he says, and then resist the devil and he will flee from you. You gotta, you gotta, you know, resist him, but you gotta make sure how to get in the first place. He just can't come in. There's a reason, in other words. The curse doesn't come without cause. All right, the cross of Christ does not mean that you are, we're not doormats for people to walk all over you. That's really false humility. Have you met anybody that has a false sense of humility? It's not real. It's like, I call pretend Christian. So it's kind of like a, but inside they're seething. They're really angry and ticked off. (laughs) Also, they can be very self-righteous. Yeah, very religious. Meet any of those people? No? Okay. I guess I'm living in another planet then. <laughs> the way of love was the way of the cross. It cost him everything. So he's worthy, and God says, You are worthy. So not to abuse or mistreat others or make excuses for yourself and not be accountable. Bad behavior is just exactly, call it. Bad behavior needs to be called out. Jesus said to the woman, you know the woman who poured out her costly fragrant oil on him before he was sacrificed? She ministered to him. Did you know that she was rebuked and scolded? You know, who was the big one that was all upset about it? Judas, the guy who betrayed Jesus later. This money could have been sold and given to the poor, he said. And you know, Jesus, he defended these women who came and administered to him, the ones he forgave, the ones that ministered, poured out their oil, the perfume on him. Jesus defended and said her and said, leave that woman alone. 
What she's doing is good. We need to call that out the way it is. If if somebody is using scripture out of context, I don't care who they I don't really care who they are. If they're a pastor or whoever, I'm not impressed, okay? If you're telling a woman to stay in a marriage where her children and she's in, in danger, this guy is going to kill her? Are you kidding me? No wonder people don't want to come into the church. They think you're crazy. You don't have any sense, common sense. Leave that woman alone. Call it out. Call it like it is. Codependency. Jesus did not entrust himself to anyone. Did you know he didn't entrust himself? He wasn't codependent with anyone? Hey, listen, he wasn't even codependent with his best buddy there, those three, Peter, James, and John, those three guys, the top three. Peter. How about Peter? He gets inspired by the Father to say, who who, who do people say I am? And, And Jesus said, who do people say I am? And he said, you are the Christ his son of the living God. And he said, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Then later on, Peter, what it was that he said something to him when Jesus said he was going to be offered up. He told them he was going to go up to Jerusalem. What was going to happen? He said, oh no, this is going to happen. And you know, Jesus, he said, get behind me, Satan. How would you like to have Jesus call you that? (laughs) Jesus did not entrust himself to any man. Okay? He did not... And turn himself over, for he knew it says what was in men. But with all of his love for them, he still had to keep his distance. Why? Well, Jesus gave himself for us, for the people, as an offering. But he did not give himself up to people. Like he didn't. He would not give himself to the people. He, he of his own free will, he gave himself up as an offering, a sacrifice for our sins. Jesus, Jesus didn't love in order to get love. Like, you know how people say, if you love me, I'll love you back. If you treat me nice, if you don't treat me nice, I don't like you, no, I'm fickle. You know, today I love you, tomorrow I don't. It's not a wonderful roller coaster ride of emotion. You know, Jesus did not love in order to get love. So he had some kind of, you know, like hidden agenda. Like, okay, let's see. His, his, he's perfect. His heart is always right. You know, like people's hearts are not right. They're just not right. They have a hidden motive. God looks at the motive of the heart. He loved because he is love. Love loves. It wasn't conditional. Like, oh, let's see, if you do the right thing, not if you don't, I'm not going to love you anymore. It wasn't love with like a, you know, a hidden motive in it a trick in it. You give me something, then I will do the following. <laughs> it wasn't, his love wasn't a man-pleasing kind of love. No, oh, I wanted to be in the club, you know, part of the club, the country club. It wasn't because they or anyone deserved it. It was simply because God loves us, period. So codependency, this is a really, I'm actually going to quote from a book I read some time ago called Overcoming Dominion of Darkness. I, I'm, I'm quoting from this because I love it. It says, code, on page 112 of the book I'm reading, um, I, I don't know, yeah, Overcoming Darkness, Dominion of Darkness. It said, codependency is loving to be loved because you are needy, because you need it. Loving to meet a need in yourself you have such low self-worth, okay? So it's selfish love. So codependency is not healthy. It is, um, you lose your sense of identity. 
but you have so many, you're so needy. And, and so you love because you want to be people, you know, it's all about you, really. <laughs> instead, of, instead of meeting a need in the other person, see that? It's giving, sharing. Your, your reason for loving is selfish. It's a selfish love. See, did you see that? Like giving and sharing because you want to. You have no motive or hidden agenda. You just want to give love. To people, you know, you just want them to be loved. You want them to feel good about what they're doing. You know, you're not you're not trying to manipulate them. You see, the manipulation is very evil. Actually, it's very evil. I don't like it at all. Actually, I'm calling that out. <laughs> Instead of meeting a need in the other person, then if it's to meet a need in you, it's not real love. See, it? it's not the God. Okay, it's not the God kind of love. See, have, the Bible says have the God kind of love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't insist on its own rights or its own way. It's not self-seeking. It's not touchy. Ooh, you're always touchy. It's not fretful. It's not resentful. It's not jealous. It's not envious. See, God's love doesn't have any of those human, worldly, fleshy, carnal things in it. It's perfect love. So... To emulate that, and we're not perfect in it, but we have the love of God shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. So then, that kind of love—it's to—it's—it's it's not it's 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 not free. If it's not free, it's not real love. It's not true love. You really don't love that person at all. It's about you. So, what is this overcoming? What is this peacemaking? Peace at any price? No, here's the answer. The key is I make peace for the sake of my own peace of mind in obedience to God. Peace at any price is like a person who holds a gun to your head and, and you shout, I'll do anything you want if you would, don't kill me. That's like, no. That's like Jesus calls us to make peace not because it's, it's a way to avoid pain. It's the right thing to do. Make peace. Make peace. God has made peace shalom with us through Jesus Christ. We are to be peacemakers. We're, first of all, though, just for my own sake, peace of mind, I would do the right thing. Even if you had to suffer a wrong, it's right. We're to live at peace, Romans 12, 17 through 18. We're to live at peace as far as it depends on you. Live at peace for your sake, for your peace of mind. You see, live at peace, not for anyone except for God and being obedient to him. You please God then. When you operate in the God kind of love and you're peacemakers and you take keep short accounts of confessing your faults to God and then let it drop. Release the person by faith. You might have to do it a few times. <laughs> You know, but it will kick in. Your faith will kick in. But, you know, believe God. But it's not going to be easy. At first, you might be feeling out of order and, like, angry and all that. Like, you have to do that. Like, it's not fair. And you can start saying all those things. You can do whatever you want to do, but you're not going to bypass the Word of God. You're not special in that way. (laughs) You're not going to say, but uh, John 13, or John, what is it, Um, I should know that by heart. Um, the commandment I give them to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you. Thirteen thirty four, right? 
I command you. This is God speaking. It's not like an option. So love, if he didn't give us love, okay, if he didn't love us, he didn't impart love into us, that wouldn't be fair. But if he says, no, I've put my love in you, you're not yielding to the Holy Spirit's love in you. And you may not know the word yet, but once you get a hold of my word, you see what I've done for you. You haven't earned it, but you get it. Then you're going to go, wow, I should release that person and forgive them because God, not because of anything that they're, it really doesn't have anything to do with them as much as it has to do with peace of mind for you. I remember a message I heard. I'm going to close with this. But some years ago, I thought this was pretty interesting. <laughs> I was in the church that we were part of. It's about 2,000 people in this church. And I remember the pastor had this other pastor come to speak, an outside speaker. And he was very, very candid and very real. And I, I was surprised because this was a, t- tend to be a bit conservative on some areas, but not not much. It was a spirit-filled church, but they had they they weren't like as demonstrative. Let's put it that way at that time, but it changed. So, anyways, here's the thing that happened with him. He had this pastor speak, and all of a sudden, he said, "You know what? I love my father as much as he allows me to. I love my father as much as he'll let me." You know, you might have relatives, and you probably do, that, you know, you're not going to be real close to them on this planet. But when you go to heaven, you might be, (laughs) if they get there with you, hopefully. But you know what I'm saying. You, You may not have the relationship with them because, you know, they might be keeping you at a distance because you do love God, and it may be too convicting for them to be around you. I don't know. But on the other stroke, you know, you look at the other side of it and you think, well, maybe you're not walking in love with them and they feel uncomfortable because they always feel like they're not good enough or something. So you got to kind of look at that. you got to say, where am I with that, Lord? You know, with my heart, with these people. You know, are you telling me to, to like Jesus, don't entrust yourself to anyone, but to love them and be peacemakers? He's, God's always about all of us reconciling, you know, to one another and being at peace, especially if you're believers, the church. But let's say they're not believers. Well, this man, this pastor said, you know, his father, you know, he just really, yeah, he couldn't, you know, and I I understand that some of your relatives just won't let you, won't let you in their world, you know? It's really hard to accept that, but you've got to. And you've got to make peace with, with yourself, with God, be at peace alone. But you have to also obey God's word if you want to have sickness and disease gone, if you want to have oppression leave you, if you don't want to be attacked, if you don't want to be an open target, you want to be a prayer warrior, you're not going to pray in faith much if you're sick and you're oppressed and you're depressed and you're attacked. So this 2019 is a time that you're going to please God. I believe the best. You're not going to let a bitter root grow up in you. You're going to tell others about Jesus, okay? So this is the time we say glory to God in the highest and on on earth peace and goodwill to all men. Amen. I love you and I bless you guys. I hope you get up with me. Continue to follow me as I will follow the Lord. And I look forward to seeing you on my prayer call. God bless. Bye-bye.